Today I'm delighted to be able to talk about one of my favorite books, The Missing Piece by Shel Silverstein. Shel, as you probably know, was a prolific author and illustrator of amazing poetry that appealed to both children and adults. He also wrote some very iconic songs, including, most famously, A Boy Named Sue, but that's a story for another time. My first introduction to him was the collection Where the Sidewalk Ends. Do you guys remember that one? It was in my uh, local library, and I, I read it when I was probably around 10 or 11. What always appealed to me about Silverstein's work was how he never talked down to his audience. Sure, he was writing for kids, but he seemed to treat them with respect. While his funny poems were full of whimsy and wackiness, they also included some darkness and sadness that can make them even more poignant. Ursula Nordstrom, Silverstein's editor at Harper and Row, encouraged Silverstein to write children's poetry. Silverstein said that he had never studied the poetry of others and had therefore developed his own quirky style. Laid back and conversational, occasionally employing profanity and slang, in an interview with Publishers Weekly in 1975, he was asked how he came to do children's books. I didn't, Shell said. I never planned to write or draw for kids. It was uh, Tommy Ungerer, a friend of mine, who insisted, practically dragged me, kicking and screaming, into Ursula Nordstrom's office, and she convinced me that Tommy was right. I could do children's books. And then, of course, there's his lovely illustrations. Shell had a distinct pen and ink drawing style that really leapt off the page. His contour lines were shaky and descriptive, and his characters often had a touch of the grotesque in all their insane detail. Now, the missing piece I discovered much later, just a few years ago, in fact, when Rabbi Rami Shapiro, our friend who speaks here every once in a while, mentioned it in a talk that he gave. I purchased a copy and was delighted by its simple and poignant depiction of a philosophy that was dear to my heart existentialism. Now, I'm not really that well-read in philosophy, at least as not as much as I wish I was. I'm really more of a dabbler. I was thinking about majoring it way back in my undergrad years, but once I got to my first logic class, I realized it wasn't a great fit. Um, I'll sheepishly admit here that one of my favorite, most essential philosophical tomes is Existentialism for Dummies. <laughs> For real. Here's some text from that pivotal book to give us a little overview about existentialism. The existentialists believe we are born, born without purpose into a world that makes no sense. But each person has the ability to create his or her own sense of meaning and peace. Existentialism is a term applied to some 19th and 20th century philosophers who may not have agreed about much but who all believed that each person must define themselves in an absurd, illogical world. Key figures include people like Kierkegaard, Jean-Paul Sartre, and Albert Camus. Some key concepts that they somewhat agree on uh, would include things like absurdity, when human beings encounter when they come into contact with the world. Absurdity is brought about because the human instinct to seek order and meaning is frustrated by the refusal of the world to be orderly and meaningful. Anxiety. Kierkegaard said, anxiety is the dizziness of freedom. You feel anxiety because you recognize that you and you alone are responsible for your actions. This produces the two-sided feeling of simultaneous dread and exhilaration. Alienation. The sense that you're a stranger in the world, 
or a stranger to yourself. Many aspects of existence can be alienating. One of the primary sources is absurdity. Ironically, the stories and systems developed by philosophy and religion to address that absurdity can be just as alienating. And then there's the idea that existence precedes essence. Sartre's phrase to describe the existential situation humans find themselves in, it refers to the fact that when you're born, you have no meaning, no purpose, no definition. Human beings exist first and only later define themselves. And then maybe most importantly of all is subjectivity, your first person perspective on the world, including the needs, desires, and emotions that accompany that perspective. The existentialists take this as a valid and important starting point for genuinely human endeavors. Okay, so that's a little overview of some key existentialist concepts. These are all worth discussing in more detail, and I don't necessarily always agree with every aspect of this worldview. Uh, I mostly connect with the importance that existentialism places on making meaning for oneself. I often think about this when I'm making decisions on what is valuable or important in my life. The journey of this life is one of making meaning and finding connections, and your choices in the matter are important. Now, how do these concepts relate to this book I'm about to read? And how well would they translate to younger audiences? I mean, you pick this up, you don't immediately feel like it's going to be this weighty philosophical text. Um, the Janet Prindle Institute for Ethics has a guide for teaching children's philosophy, and they write about the missing piece. This book raises important questions about the nature of happiness. The circle feels that finding its missing piece will make it happy. After finding a seemingly perfect missing piece, however, the circle discovers that it can no longer enjoy many of its favorite activities. It now rolls by too quickly for a butterfly to land atop it. It cannot stop to talk to a beetle or smell a flower. It can no longer sing coherently. Okay, so let me stop here and read a little bit. Actually, I'll just read the whole thing. Uh, the Missing Piece by Shel Silverstein. As I do, consider these existentialist themes. You could agree with me, you could disagree. Um, think about existence preceding essence, absurdity, alienation. This seemingly simple story is full of wisdom. All right, now, you may have heard me read this before, but that's okay, I'm gonna read it again, because I like it, I like it. I love reading stories. I think it's part of why I enjoy teaching, is I get to be kind of goofy and on in front of people and just ham it up. Okay, so. Here we go. I'll try to show the illustrations too because I'm a big fan of these really simple illustrations. It was missing a piece and it was not happy. So it set off in search of its missing piece. And as it rolled, it sang this song. Oh, I'm looking for my missing piece. I'm looking for my missing piece. Howdy ho, here I go. Looking for my missing piece. Let's see how that song evolves. Sometimes it baked in the sun. But then the cool rain would come down. Sometimes it was frozen by the snow. But then the sun would come and warm it again. And because it was missing a piece, it could not roll very fast. So it would stop to talk to a worm. 
or smell a flower. And sometimes it would pass a beetle. Hi, beetle. And sometimes the beetle would pass it. And this was the best time of all. It's got a little butterfly landed on its head. Yay. And on it went over oceans. Oh, I'm looking for my missing piece over land and over sea. So grease my knees and fleece my bees. I'm looking for my missing piece. Through swamps and jungles. Up mountains. <laughs> it's so simple. It's just a line. <laughs> and down mountains. <laughs> Until one day, lo and behold, I found my missing piece. It sang, I found my missing piece. So grease my knees and fleece my bees. I found my... Wait a minute, said the piece. Before you go greasing your knees and fleecing your bees, I am not your missing piece. I am nobody's piece. I am my own piece. And even if I was somebody's missing piece, I don't think I'd be yours. Oh, it said sadly, I'm sorry to have bothered you. And on it rolled. It found another piece. <laughs> okay. But this one was too small. Oh. <laughs> and this one was too big. <laughs> and this one was a little too sharp. Ah, it's poking out his back there. <laughs> and this one was too square. One time it seemed to have found the perfect piece, but it didn't hold on tightly enough. And lost it. Another time, it held on too tightly, and it broke. So on and on it rolled. <laughs> Having adventures, it's a giant arrow <laughs> stuck in his mouth. Falling into holes and bumping into stone walls. Ah, yes, adventures indeed. And then one day it came upon another piece that seemed to be just right. Hmm. Hi, it said. Hi, said the piece. <laughs> Are you anybody else's missing piece? Not that I know of. Well, maybe you want to be your own piece. I can be someone's and still be my own. Well, maybe you don't want to be mine. Maybe I do. Maybe we won't fit. Well... <laughs> it fits! It fit perfectly. At last, at last. And away it rolled. And because it was now complete, it rolled faster and faster, faster than it had ever rolled before so fast that it could not stop to talk to a worm or smell a flower. Too fast for the butterfly to land. 
But it could sing its happy song. At last, it could sing, I found my missing piece. And it began to sing. I found my missing keys, I found my missing breeze, I creased my missing breeze, my breeze, I found. Oh my, now that it was complete, it could not sing at all. Aha, it thought, so that's how it is. So it stopped rolling, and it set the piece down gently, and slowly rolled away. And as it rolled, it softly sang. Oh, I'm looking for my missing piece. I'm looking for my missing piece. Heidi ho, here I go. Looking for my missing piece. And there it is. Thank you. <laughs> so, so thank you for humoring me and let me read that book that I've read a couple times before. I really, I really enjoy it. Um, and hopefully you, you caught some of those themes in there. Um, the uh, Janet Prindle Institute for Ethics continues to say about this in their children's teaching guide. In our lives, we often feel that finding our own missing piece, whatever it may be, will make us happy. However, after we find our own missing pieces, we often develop a new set of desires and problems arise. This becomes a never-ending search for an illusory missing piece that leads to unhappiness. According to the book, real satisfaction lies in rejecting the idea that there is a magic bullet that will make us happy. In the end, the circle realizes this and abandons its missing piece. After doing so, it immediately starts looking for its missing piece again, now armed with the knowledge that it is the quest that brings it fulfillment, not the attainment of the object itself. The book also raises questions about the nature of our identities. The missing piece tells the circle that it can belong to someone else and still be itself. Even if the missing piece is subsumed into the circle, it can still retain an independent identity. People also possess multiple identities. They can be students, musicians, athletes, athletes, and they can have these identities while still maintaining a conception of an individual self. The goal of, of the discussion here would be to help people identify the various hats they wear on a day-to-day -day basis and try to see how they fit together to form their personal identity. Okay, so we heard the missing piece. You've got my... Uh, existentialism for dummies, uh, nutshell. Um, now some questions I want to leave you with. So um, think about these. I'm going to pause a little bit through them. Maybe some will resonate with you, maybe some will not. Um, so some questions for philosophical discussion. If we were to have a discussion, we could, we could talk about this. We could talk about it afterwards if you want to talk to me. Um, what about happiness? Is the circle happy before it finds its missing piece? What does the circle enjoy doing? Is the circle happy after it finds its missing piece? Why or why not? What do you want? Is it similar to what the circle wants? Why do you think the circle keeps on looking for its missing piece even after it left the one that fit perfectly? On the topic of independence, the missing piece says to the circle, I can be someone's and still be my own. Do you think you are independent 
or do you belong to someone else? Can you rely on other people and still be independent? Do you need other people to be happy? What about the topic of the quest? The circle finds that it is happiest when searching for the missing piece. Why does the circle let go of the missing piece? Does the circle like searching for the missing piece? What happens to the circle while it looks for the missing piece? Is the journey more fun than the destination? <laughs> These questions and more are raised by Silverstein's book. What a delight to think about such profound and meaningful topics through the lens of a children's book. I invite you to think about the circle's journey as you go throughout your own life. Consider the choices you make and the ways you interact with the world. How do you make this one precious and often absurd existence meaningful for yourself? Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.